Journey to Organization, episode 109, Dina Fiedler from Leket Israel. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman, advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Hello and welcome to Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begone Personal Organization. And today I'm excited to chat with Dina Fiedler from Director of PR and Resource Development at Leket.org because I think Leket is an amazing charity and I want to introduce it to you if you don't already know about it. Leket is a fabulous organization that rescues food from different sources like events and it gets the food to needy people who need to get food on their tables. They have just opened new hubs around the country to get more food to more people. Our family has personally volunteered during Sukkot to help the farms that Leket uses uh, in their picking. Uh, we have picked fa- vegetables and it was an amazing family experience. So you may be wondering why I invited Dina onto the podcast today. Well, if you've been listening for a while, you know that I am a big believer that overconsumption is what causes us to be disorganized. Not only does it make us disorganized, but it's wasteful, both for the products that are produced and it's a waste of money. That includes food. We often overbuy and we waste money, time, and energy buying food that we don't need. One of the most common issues I actually see in people's homes is how much food gets wasted because of poor planning and unrealistic goals. Now, I've had other shows before where we've sung the benefits of meal planning, like episode 89 with Sabrina Pearl and episode 93, which was called Waste in Organization. But today, I want to talk to an expert about what really happens to food after a simcha, why it's so bad to send food waste to a landfill, and what you can do about it. In Israel, the majority of food wasted uh, is fruits and vegetables, with Israeli households wasting 23% of all food. Now that's compared to 28% in the U.S. and 19% in Europe. 2.5 million tons are thrown away every year. 1.2 million tons of food is actually suitable for rescue. Now, by the way, the value of that food is 19.7 billion shekels. That's almost $5.5 billion. But Leket is able to rescue 15,500 tons of fruits and veggies and give out over 2 million hot meals to over 175,000 recipients. So, With that, I would like to welcome Dina to the show to talk more about Leket and food waste. Now, Dina is originally from New York, but she made Aliyah to Ranana with her husband and young children in 2000. In 2003, Dina started to volunteer with Table to Table, which was the precursor to Leket Israel, and officially joined the Leket staff in 2010 as the overseer. Overseas PR and Marketing Coordinator. Since 2016, Dina has been serving as the Director of PR and Resource Development. Welcome, Dina. Thank you for having me, Rebecca. Good morning. Nice to, nice to be part of the podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here to talk to us today. Now, we'll just jump right in. I know the CEO and founder, Joseph Gittler, started Leket, and I've actually heard him tell how and why he started it, but can you tell the listeners? Because I think it's a great story. Sure, sure. So Joseph came on Aliyah with his family from New York in 2000. Um, And around 2003, the first report on uh, poverty and hunger was published by the NII, the National Insurance Institute. And basically, Joseph was astonished to learn that 
at the time it was more than 20% of the population uh, was living below the poverty line. And most of those living below the poverty line were also food insecure, meaning you know they didn't know where or how their next meal was coming from. Many of these families were opening their refrigerators and finding it empty. And knowing Israel the way Joseph knew it as a tourist or as a student, um, there's just an abundance of food in Israel. There's abundance of food available on the supermarket shelves. There's abundance grown in the fields. And there are a lot of also food charities out there feeding the needy. So I think that all of this kind of came together for him. And he just said, what's going on here? And he was really bothered by it. So he took some time off. He was then a lawyer, took some time off to do just kind of research. What's going on in Israel? And what he quickly learned was no one was doing any sort of food rescue. It was just a concept that was unheard of in Israel until Joseph introduced it. Okay. And tell us how exactly Leket rescues food. (laughs) Okay. So basically... Um, Going back to just the beginning of Joseph's story, um, he said, okay, there's there's no food rescue going on here. He was familiar with food rescue from North America, whether it be City Harvest or Second Harvest or other organizations in uh, the States or Canada that were rescuing and distributing fresh food to the needy. So he also spent some time overseas to kind of see and learn how they were doing what they were doing. And when he came back, he started to call catering halls uh, in the area of the uh, Sharon, let's say, Farsaba, uh, okay. uh, et cetera. Okay. And said, what do you guys do with, the end, with your food at the end of the day, at the end of uh, an event? And they said, you know, staff eats a little bit and then we toss it because where you have to, you know, con- by contract, we have to prepare new food every day. Mm-hmm. And basically that's how he got started. So what was then called Table to Table, now Leket Israel, started just with collection of surplus meals from bar, bat mitzvahs, weddings, and the like. Uh, today, that is still what Leket's doing, but I would say that's our small business in terms of cooked meals. Our biggest food donor is actually the IDF. Oh, Leket wow. collect surplus cooked food from about 50 army bases every day. Okay. Um, there's a lot, a lot of just excess created on a base every day because the army has to prepare extra. That's their kind of regulation. And in addition, there's often, you know, a unit that goes out on a mission, a unit that goes out on a practice, whatever, doesn't matter. The cook still knows that he has to prepare 600 meals for 600 soldiers on base for lunch, even though not all 600 will be there lunchtime to eat in the dining room. And every day it's creating excess. Excess. the other, the other cooked food is coming from the hotels. Uh, Leket is, is proud to announce and, uh, that we're working with all the leading hotel chains in Israel, Fatal and Don and Leonardo and Israel in Elat, Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, Herzliya, uh, which, is, which is really wonderful. It took some years to break into the hotel industry, but once we did, it was sort of a domino effect. Wow. Um, one kind of hotel spoke to the other and said, like it is very professional. They come when they say they're going to come. They don't interfere with what's going on in the kitchen. They come in, they take the food and they leave. And that's thankfully become a, a well-oiled machine. Right. And, and I mean, stores, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. The last source of uh, cooked food is uh, corporates. There are a okay. lot of corporate bacterias 
where you know a mass amount of uh, prepared food is create is 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 produced every day. But as you see, you know a lot of people decide to go out to the food court in the mall or have meetings off site and aren't eating on site. And so again, there's that surplus every day created there. I just want to make a point of saying we use the words surplus or excess um, less the word leftover because I feel like okay. leftover has that kind negative, yeah, of like it being like out there on the buffet, which it's not, we're collecting food that was made fresh uh, in kitchens. Okay. Yeah. My husband works uh, at a company in Renana at Amdocs Renana. And he, uh-huh. and he always yes. says, well, he's there twice a week. And he always says, he's like, there's so much food. And he like, he's like, I wonder what they do with all of it. But I think actually look at collects from Amdocs, right? Every day, yeah. every day we're in Amdocs. So if he, he's ever around at two o'clock, he can, uh, join our volunteers and help uh, collect whatever's left. Oh, great. So, okay. I'm going to tell him. Great partner of Luckett Israel's. So, awesome. Um, yeah. And of course I was going to say before was that, uh, you know, I've been to Israeli hotels for breakfast and there's also a lot of food. It's like the Israeli way to put out a lot of different breakfast foods. And, and we're looking to make a bar mitzvah. And so my husband and I have been going around to different hotels, <laughs> checking all of them out here in Haifa. And uh, I'm shocked that, at how much food really there is on these buffets. And, and I know that a lot of it isn't even getting put out in the morning. Like, Correct. Oh, it's, there's. It's outrageous. Yeah. And I guess there, there always has to be enough. There always has to be, you know, someone wants the additional whatever, and they never want to tell someone, okay, yeah, we ran Exactly, out. exactly. Um, how does food rescuing help the environment? Okay. So I just want to, I just want to um, just give a little background on, on why food rescue is, is very valuable in Israel. And I think that's an important point to understand. Okay. Um, as I'm sure Rebecca knows and I know, it's very, very expensive to live in Israel. Uh, cost of living is high, salaries are low, and food is expensive. Um, I've seen in the last 16 years, you know, how my supermarket bill has gone up. Um, and for the most part, what's most expensive is fruits and vegetables and, and dairy products. Um, and dairy products are going study. up this week. Uh, additional, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. additionally, they're going up again. So basically, the first thing that families in need are going to give up on are those two items. Um, and that's why food rescue makes so much sense in Israel specifically, because there are so many so many and a growing really need from working poor families um, to, to get access to fresh food that they can't afford. Because as we know, Israel's, you know, has a lot of uh, Western, Western problems. Now it's become a more modern Western country. Right. And people are buying things that are just cheaper. They will fill their stomachs, but, you know, give them no nutritional value. Mm-hmm. And and that's just an, just a very important point why, you know, why food rescue and why in Israel specifically. Okay. Um, Leket's focus is on nutrition, which is why our business is only fresh food. Uh, we talked about the cooked meals a few minutes ago. Our, our big flagship project is Project Leket, which Rebecca and her family uh, participated in. And I encourage all the listeners to come and volunteer with us. We need our volunteers. Um, I have to say our kids had so much fun. It's been a few years since we've done it and they still are talking about it. It was like such a great experience for them. 
Yeah, so I encourage all ages. It's really fun. You can have grandparents out there with, with parents and grandchildren, and it's a whole really just nice multi-generational, yeah. you know, feel good and giving back activity. So that's my, that's my plug for getting volunteers for Lekets. But anyway, um, so we focus on nutrition. We want to feed Israel's needy, only nutritious food. So fruits and vegetables and cooked meals, that's our focus. Um, why is it good for the environment? Basically, when fruits and vegetables are turned over in the fields and not rescued, it just emits methane gas, which is then just bad for the environment. People think, oh, maybe that, you know, those rotten potatoes are going to be good to fertilize. They're not. Mm. Um, fruits and vegetables that are left to rot in the fields are bad for the environment. So okay. in addition to its nutritional value and the need to just, and the desire to help people in need, and their families um, have access to food. It's also just bad for the environment to leave stuff to rot. Okay. Well, first of all, I want to know how, why the name Leket? If you were originally starting as table to table, what made you change to Leket? Now I know that Leket, the word has like a biblical base, but yes. So basically, uh, Joseph established table to table in '03. Um, there was another organization called Leket Food Bank that worked mostly actually in the purchase and distribution of packaged goods uh, okay. to nonprofits. So that in 2010, January of 2010, Table to Table merged with Leket Food Bank and became Leket Israel. Now, why okay. Leket? Leket comes from the biblical uh, Leket Peah and Shechecha, which basically was whatever fell from the tree was left for the poor, or a corner of the field was left for the poor to come take, or um, basically access for people in need to come into your fields uh, to pick was all kind of the way, let's say in the time of the Bible, that people were able to help um, families in need. And so that connection to the biblical times, I, I say what we do is like a modern take you know, on Leket, mm -hmm. which is basically like volunteers like me and you going out to the fields, picking from farmers that, you know, won't pick. We want the farmers in Israel to make a living, which they do, but it's not easy. They struggle to do right. that. So we want them to be able to sell all the produce that they grow. But realistically, that doesn't happen. Things grow with a funny shape, or the peel's a little off, or the size is a little off. And so, you know, a supermarket won't buy it or an order for export will be canceled. Um, true story, we got recently tons and tons and tons of potatoes donated to Leket simply because it was a little virus that affected the peels. Now, potato totally fine, but would never meet the criteria for export. Hmm, and that kind of donation to Leket. So we're, we're encountering all sorts of scenarios like that on a day-to-day -day mm -hmm. basis. But the food is totally safe to eat. Correct. Everything is safe to eat, but might look a little funky. Right. Um, actually, a great uh, example of Leket is we just read the story of uh, Ruth and that the whole idea that Ruth is collecting, you know, uh, wheat in Boaz's field. That's like the whole idea of uh, Leket, Correct. basically. <laughs> um, it's a great, it's a great uh, sample. Um, okay. When Leket is collecting food, how does it work with distribution and how does it actually collect? Do, do Leket volunteers show up? Do individuals show up? How, how exactly does it work? 
Okay, so let's talk about let's talk about produce first. Okay. Uh, basically, we have uh, constant communication with between let's say five six hundred farmers in Israel, as well as tens of packing houses. Okay. So what does that mean? That means that we either at this point have packing houses or farmers calling us when they say we have excess, we're going to turn over our field either this afternoon or tomorrow or in two days time, or we have two people on staff and their job is to telemarket and just stay in touch with these farmers and packing houses. Because like I said, business, we want to make sure we stay on the radar screen so that we can get there in time to rescue before they turn, turn over or destroy a field. Um, all of this produce that we rescue is being distributed to 200 nonprofits throughout Israel. Okay. 200, 200 nonprofits. And through that, Leket feeds over 175,000 people a week. That's now, amazing. we also have cooked food that we talked about. And you mentioned in 2018, we rescued and delivered 2.2 million hot meals. So basically how the hot meals work is as follows. Um, we have some of our drivers who are doing the rescue on army bases or hotels or corporate cafeterias, mm-hmm. or we've actually been the matchmaker between the nonprofit and the source of the food. And okay. Um, it's cooked food. We need to make sure it moves very quickly from point A to point B and stays fresh. The right. produce obviously has a little bit more of a, a shelf life. Okay. Um, sometimes well, it doesn't need to be transported with refrigeration, right? Correct. Right. So sometimes it's going in our vehicles um, and sometimes it's the nonprofit, you know, with us overseeing the process to make sure it's done smoothly and the food is still safe when the recipient, you know, gets to sit down and eat it at a soup kitchen or a center for the elderly or a battered women's shelter or mm-hmm. government hostel or wherever, you know, okay. all the places that that's going to. So how does Lucket deal with different levels of kashrut? Okay. So we, for the most, for the most part, um, are rescuing kosher food because mm-hmm. that's just, you know, as you know, most things in Israel um, are kosher, but we're careful to make sure that the kosher food gets into the hands of Jewish people and mm-hmm. the non-kosher food that we rescue gets distributed to non-Jews. Okay. That's basically how we deal with the uh, kashrut issue. Okay. I think it's important to say, and I hope that you can help me answer this, but I want people to understand how we can reduce food waste individually in our homes and what we can do after we're making a, or when we're making a simcha to make sure that our caterer, no matter where we are living, is working with some sort of food rescue group. Or is there directives we can give to the caterer so that they're making less food? I know that's two questions in one, so let's let's break it down. Let's start with, let's start with the catering. <laughs> yeah. So okay. basically, I, I don't know if anyone will be able to convince their caterer, you know, if they have 200 people to serve over a, a Shabbat bar mitzvah or, or at an event, you know, a wedding, I can't imagine the caterer is only going to make 200 meals. I feel like the caterer's name is on the line, let's just say. Again, right. if someone asks an additional piece of pargit and they're like, oh, no, we ran out of pargit. So I don't feel like that'll necessarily ever happen, but... By the way, I never really found a good uh, translation for the word pargit. It's, it's, is this a Cornish hen? No, basically pargit is, is, is dark chicken. Dark chicken? That's what I call it. Dark. You know, that's, it's, a, it's a smaller it's, chicken. You, know, you, have the, you have the chicken breast, which is yeah. white. 
and and the chazaof, as you say in, in the Hebrew, and then yeah. you have the pargi, which is which is like all the the bottoms. Chicken, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so I think that caterers are are just going to always be you know making more food than they need. Okay. But what a lot of people do, I have to tell you, in terms of leket, is when people are having a catered event. Um, at a venue, we don't collect food from people's homes because, again, there are food safety issues. Okay. That. But when people are, are are having a catered event, um, let's say at a hotel or at a venue, and they reach out to Leckett in advance, we can coordinate uh, picking up the excess food at the end of the event. So that's just uh-huh. you know because think about, um, and we often even have a lot of uh, tourists who come to you know hotels and venues here, and oftentimes. They're also donating their surplus uh, to Leket, which is fantastic. So, so that's something locals and um, tourists can can do for Leket. Okay. Uh, so I don't think caterers are ever going to prepare less food. You know what we can try to do in our own households is, you know, we can try to minimize creating surplus, which I know is kind of like the epidemic of you know the Jewish mother also kind of afraid that <laughs> yes, you, know, um, you won't have enough. Never have enough food, right? Um, but we which- do. And um, I think there's also an education that's needed amongst all of us with, you know, food that's considered expired. Um, Okay, so let's talk about that. Um, You know, expiration dates are very random and they're really just kind of marketing ploys. Okay. And nutritionists on staff here at Leckett has told me time and time again, if you're at your house and you look at it, you taste a little and you smell it and it's still all good, it's good. It doesn't matter. And, I, and I'm part of, you know, still in the process of trying to uh, teach my kids this. And they're like, no, the milk expired two days ago. I was like, no, the milk did not expire two days ago. <laughs> I find that Israeli milk in general lasts longer. But I find that dairy products here last longer. Once they're open, they tend to go faster. But if they're closed, they certainly can last longer than their expiration date. A long time. Yeah. You know, thankfully, all of us really have good refrigeration systems in our yeah. homes. And you'd be surprised. Also, aside from cucumbers, I would say, which tend to go a little faster, yeah. um, fruits and vegetables also stay, can stay a really long time um, in someone's home. A lot of it is also just, so, so you have expired food that, that, that are just like random dates, literally very random dates um, that you see in North America. They're trying to kind of push back on food producers to try to, you know, not make those dates as random. But again, they're businesses. Businesses want people to throw out and buy new. So that's just But also I feel like, not to defend big business, but I feel like they don't want to be on the hook if something goes wrong. That's also true. That's also yeah. true. Yeah. Um, Another thing is, is just, you know, um, all of us tending to, and we do this, you know, I think for our own, own homes probably also is, you know, shopping with our eyes. So when we're in the supermarket and we're looking at the fruits and vegetables, we're all kind of picking the prettiest looking apples, unfortunately. Right. Um, and so that's just something else, you know, that we can think about in our own kind of purchase. Think about, you know, that apple that has a little bit of a dent, you know, still a good apple. And if it's going to be eaten the next day or two in your house, you know, buy it instead of letting it just, you know, get thrown away. So I'm going to actually tell a story (laughs) and then I might get some pushback on, but I was actually in the Shuk before Pesach with my son and we had been shopping for a little while already. And there's an area in the Shuk where the, the dealers, 
you know, leave the fruits and vegetables that they don't think that can, they can sell. And I always take a little peek through it. And my son comes back to me and he's like, I'm, I'm really hungry, mommy. So I'm like, great, no problem. I look through the bin there. I, he's walking to the car with the bags. I see there's an orange there. I peel it for him. I hand it to him. He didn't see me take it. He eats the whole thing. And he's like, that was so delicious, mommy. I'm like, that's great. I, I picked it out from over there where they were throwing it away. And he's like, what? And he was so like shocked that it was still good. And then later on, he, we were walking back to the car after our second round of purchasing. And he uh, says, you know, mommy, I looked over there. There's some tomatoes that seem really good. Maybe you could make a salad. And I took them home and I made a salad and it was fine. And you know, people, it, it, it was, it was like one of those things that, you know, it had to be used right then and there that day, but it, it was still good. And the vendors were just throwing it away because they didn't think that they would be able to sell it. And so, you know, it wasn't actually in the trash. It was in a box that was next to the trash, ready to go into the trash. But I just was like, that's really good now. I don't need to buy tomatoes and I can make salad or I can make gazpacho. And I feel like when you can be a little creative with your cooking, you can avoid sending things to the garbage. Totally true. I mean, my, my kids laugh, but anytime I make vegetable soup, they're like, okay, what vegetables are in this vegetable soup? I was like, you know what's in there? Anything that was a little soft, anything that was a little just on the way to turning, you know, turn it into a soup. I'm all into that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like, I I don't know. I I feel like we spent the money on it. Why shouldn't we use it up? Correct. Correct. Um, Or else it's just throwing money, you know, basically in the trash. (laughs) So tell us a little bit more about some of the other programs. I know besides for food rescue, like it does some other, um, okay. So there's a, there's a program that, that, that we're really excited about and proud of. But for many years, we've had um, nutrition education okay. workshops uh, that we run. And they are given in four languages. Um, wow. Which Hebrew, ones? Arabic, Russian, and Amharic. Wow. So that we can cater to all sectors of the uh, population. Okay. Um, many years, we were running these workshops for single moms or for the elderly uh, for basically just adults, adults in need at, at, at our nonprofits. Okay. Uh, but last year, our nutritionist who runs this program said, you know, I want to try a pilot of parent and child workshops together. Uh, okay. We'll see how it goes. And basically, it's been a smashing success. Um, we are literally finding like we are making, we're making very positive impact um, on these families by doing parent-child workshops. Uh, and what were they basically? We did a survey day one of the first workshop. Every workshop has four sessions. We did a survey at the end of the four sessions and we did another survey six months later, kind of to measure you know, what kind of changes and impacts right. uh, have been implemented in these households. And what we, what we found was uh, families that weren't eating fruits and vegetables before were now incorporating them in their day-to-day lives. That's amazing. Families were preparing, are now preparing meals together and sitting down as a family and eating together. Okay. It's huge. Families that are, that are, um, let's say not very functional. This for them was, was just such a game changer. Um, and the parents and children really bonded together over going through this workshop process together. So we've actually made now these parent-child workshops 
part of our core nutrition education programming. So that's been a really exciting um, change over the last year. That's amazing. Another thing um, that you mentioned earlier in the program was hubs. Like, what are these hubs? These Lekka hubs. Uh, Basically, we have one logistics center, which is located in Ranana, uh, outside of Tel Aviv. And that logistics center is where all the fruits and vegetables that we rescue come through for sorting and packing before being delivered to our nonprofits. However, uh, we want to reach more people in need and we want to make more of an impact in certain uh, cities and certain regions of the country where there is really a great need. And we found that it was not efficient by us, let's say, getting to a city and making five deliveries. Instead, we've turned some of our, let's call it nonprofit partners into a hub for Leckett, okay. meaning that invested in these nonprofits, in their infrastructure, um, some sort of renovations, uh, whether it's refrigeration or ovens to warm the cook meals. And now we're able to reach more people in certain areas through our hubs. And the food is being delivered to our hub, and then our hub does the very localized delivery. Which is which has been fantastic. Where are the hubs? I know you have one here in the north in Kiryat Atta, right? Correct, Kiryat Atta. We just uh, had a ribbon cutting ceremony last week, actually. Wow! Already the first week uh, with uh, catered meals coming through Rafael Catering, which is okay. a big, big, big yeah. company located in the north. Um, we already had 250 meals collected within the first week. We hope by the end of the summer to get that up to 400. So okay. Hundred additional people in need getting a hot lunch through Leket every day. And I want to make a point that oftentimes the people who are eating these hot meals that they get through Leket because they're only cooked meal that they're eating all day. So right. we're really um, slowly, slowly trying to, as you see uh, in the numbers, you know, now it's about eighteen percent of the population. Israel now has a population of over nine million people right. are living with insecurity. So even though it's wonderful that we're feeding over 175,000 people a week, you know, we have a lot more, a lot more work ahead of us. And there's a lot more fresh and cooked food out there that we want to get our hands on. Right. Right. Um, If people are visiting Israel, uh, what can they do to volunteer? Okay. So basically you can do um, two things. One is you can come to the fields and help us pick fruits or vegetables. Uh, picking uh, opportunities are year round. So rain or shine will be there if you're willing to be out there. Okay. Uh, and suitable for all ages. Basically, you can uh, write to info at leket.org or go to our website and fill in our uh, volunteer form. Okay. And we'll get back to you. Within, um, usually, it could be anywhere from two to 12 to maximum 24 hours. Okay. Another volunteer opportunity is coming to our Nana Logistics Center, where we need to sort and pack all the produce that we've rescued before it goes out on our trucks for delivery. That's also a very fun activity. And for those that don't necessarily want to be out in the hot sun in the middle of July, um, that the center is a nice alternative uh, because it's, you know, it has an overhead fan and you're in the shade. <laughs> okay, okay, great. Um, and what can you do if you don't live in Israel? How can you be part of Leket? So if you don't live in Israel, um, you can first of all just um, 
hopefully you've heard this podcast and you can encourage, you know, a friend or family who you hear coming our way that can actually volunteer here. Um, other than that, you can support us um, in, in allowing us to get out there and get our hands on surplus food. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, there's ways to financially support us or, you know, we have a lot of uh, bar bat mitzvahs or youth or teens that do a lot of, you know, whether it's, you know, runs, walks, bake-offs, and all sorts of kind of hands-on things for Leket that will then end up supporting us over here. That's amazing. For our trucks on the road. Is there anything else you think we should know about food rescue or Leket in particular? Um, I think it's important for people just to understand that, you know, the needy in Israel are suffering now from, from similar problems, like I said, to other Western countries where, you know, obesity is on the rise, uh, diabetes. And so it's critical that we get Israel's needy, fresh, nutritious food. And I just wanted to just, you know, make that point again, because the work that we're doing is very time sensitive in terms of moving the food around, but Israel's a small country and we take advantage of that. Uh, mm -hmm. We have over 15 vehicles on the road every day um, and we don't even have enough trucking. So oftentimes we have to rent additional trucks uh, okay. to our operation in motion. So if you're listening and you want to donate a truck, Leket is happy for you to donate a truck. <laughs> that is right. That is right. You can find us at info at yeah. You can talk to and, Dina. She'll be happy to help you. And I uh, welcome everyone to just, you know, Check out our website at, at www.leket.org uh, to learn more about the work that we're doing. And, you know, we, we love, you know, the hands-on support uh, is very critical. We have about 50,000 annual volunteers and we need, we need the volunteers. So it's not a PR marketing exercise at all. So come one, come all. Excellent. Before we go, I just would like to touch one more time on how individuals in our home, like, is there any other things we can do to make sure that we are not wasting any more food than, you know, I hate to say we need to, but sometimes things yeah. do go bad. So, so I would say one is please, you know, before uh, a Shabbat or a holiday, you know, make less, you're still going to have enough. Secondly, before you start, you know, throwing out that apple that's turning, turn it into applesauce, apple crumble, you know, think creatively Be how creative. you can make use of, you know, soups, cold, hot, whatever. It's just being creative with what you have in your, in your refrigerator. Uh, you'd be surprised how much use you can make out of things that previously you might have tossed in the bin. Um, also, when looking at things with expiration dates, don't look at the date, you know, look at it, taste it, smell it. And if it's okay, the, basically it's going to be okay. Right. And, um, you know, and also I would say when you're shopping, you know, don't, don't necessarily overlook what I call the funky or uglier looking fruit. Yes. Um, you know, if you can bear that in mind, you know, the supermarket is going to toss it. So if, if you take it home and, and, and chop it into your salad, no one will notice. Yeah, you know, that it's true. Funny looking. 
It's true. Also, I just want to put out an additional plug for meal planning. If you take a few minutes to plan, check what you already have in your house, see how you can shop around what you already have so you can use up what you already have. Um, repurpose your leftovers in a new way. So if you have a lot of chicken that nobody ate, cut it up and make chicken salad sandwiches. Um, and if something is going bad, you can always freeze it and juice it. Or my husband makes it, bakes it into a cake later on. Um, there's lots of ways that extra ways that you can avoid food waste. So Dina, thank you so much for, for coming today. We're so glad to have you on. Um, if you want to donate to Leket Israel, please head to leket.org. For now, I wish you all a waste-free food week, a fabulous week, and I wish you happy organizing. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.